Welcome, everybody. Please have a seat. So good to see you on this first Sunday where we've uh, lifted the COVID-19 restrictions here at church, which just basically means you are free to do as you feel is best for you. You want to wear a mask? You may wear a mask. Um, Failed to mention last week, too, you want to get a vaccine, you may get a vaccine, and if you don't, for whatever reason, that's also a uh, choice that you have, and we want to respect that. So we want to make that available for everybody as far as saying you, you may do what you feel is best for you. We believe as a church, we're ready to, to kind of move forward in this way, and I know a lot of you um, were appreciative of that. So I want to welcome everybody. Glad to see you. I know we have some, some, uh, some people that are here for the first time, and we're always super grateful that, that you would join us. And we pray that, that the service will be a blessing to you, that you would have a, a wonderful experience being here. I mean, I don't know what you think about our band, but is, aren't those songs and then just the worship time just a special? If you pay attention to the lyrics, it's just a wonderful opportunity for us to lift up our voices together and, and just declare the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ, God, is, is awesome. And we get to praise him through, through worship. So, um, so I want to invite you to, if, if you don't receive our emails or our text, um, if you would fill out a, a simple connection form, contact form, you easiest thing I think is just to go online. And I also want to mention, now that I, I say that, if, if when you're walking into the building, you, walk, you see those two TVs where you have sort of uh, events that are coming up, kind of commercial sort of, there's also a portion there where you could scan a, it's not a barcode, but it's a QR code, yes. You scan that, and it takes you immediately or automatically to our website, and there you can uh, scroll all the way down our website, and you find that simple form to fill out. That just gives us an opportunity to send out information to you, like the weekly newsletter that Alvi puts out, really wonderful. Uh, I really enjoy reading up on that. Uh, the articles that many times uh, Kathy and other people write. I know there was one by Judy a couple weeks ago. They're, they're a big blessing to me and it allows us to see what's going on and be on top of things. Uh, but also, if you, if you do scan that QR code, it'll give you an opportunity, it'll take you to a place, it's like our virtual bulletin, and when you do that, it gives you the information of the sermon this morning, the message, and it also gives you an opportunity to take notes. So you can take notes right on your phone and then they can be emailed right to you. Ain't that cool? I thought that was pretty cool. I've never done it myself, but it would be hard taking notes while I'm preaching. But that's something that is an option for, for you. We're just going to make sure that you're not using your phone to play video games as we are trying to be in the Word. I'm sure you won't. Let me tell you a couple of things that I want to mention. That is next week, a week from today, we're going to have a graduation luncheon. And that's going to be anybody graduating this year from intermediate high school or college. And also last year, because last year we weren't able to do it because of the whole COVID-19 stuff. And so if you graduated last year or you graduated this year, we want to invite you to a special lunch after church at 1230 here. Uh, you do need to RSVP because we want to have some yummy food for you. We want to make sure how many people to get food for. Um, I think on the newsletter didn't mention this because I failed to communicate this to LV, but I believe the tickets are going to be $5, and that's just for you to have a little bit of skin in the game so that when you're RSVP, we know you're going to show up, and um, 
and it gives you something to, to, to do prior to, to attending. All right, but it's going to be a real special time. If you graduated, let us know. Uh, you can talk to Beatty. Uh, you can talk to myself, Ricky. Uh, Patty is also helping us with that. So uh, let us know you graduated and you want to attend so we can, we can uh, get your name down. And then we'll see you next Sunday after church. There's also going to be a KMG event on the 26th of June. KMG is, stands for Kingdom Men's Gathering. That's through Frank Sontag and his uh, ministry. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to get about 30 tickets. They should be in the mail. Uh, those tickets are $15. It includes, uh, I think, a Chick-fil-A meal. Hey, you know. um, and that's going to be on a Saturday morning from 8 to 1. And uh, so this is a call to all the guys. If you've never been to one of these events, I know Daryl Strawberry is going to be one of the speakers. Jack Graham is going to be here, and uh, Frank, and, and a couple of their speakers. So if, if, you're a, if you're a guy and you want to hang out and be blessed and hear some really great speakers that will, I think, motivate you and challenge you, you're invited to that. First come, first serve, though. See me about that. Lastly, Fish Fest. You guys remember that event, Fish Fest? Anybody been to Fish Fest before? Ah, two people. All right. Well, Fish Fest is just like a, a Christian concert. You get all kinds of Christian artists. Uh, they have different stages you get to go. Tickets are $30. I remember when they used to be 10 bucks. They're $30. We got, I think, 30 tickets. Youth group first. So it's kind of like a youth group event, but uh, <laughs> stay tuned. If we don't sell out with the youth group, then we'll open it up to everybody else. But you're also welcome to just purchase your own tickets, and then we'll see each other there. I think it'll be really special. July 17th is that day. That's an all-day thing, pretty much, for the Fish Fest. If you have any questions, see any of the youth leaders or myself. Great. All right, that's it for our announcements. I hope you're all caught up. If, as, as you came in, you should have grabbed one of these fellows right here. And, and, uh, and I also want to recognize somebody really special who's here, and that's my brother, Bamu. Uh, he's here. Uh, we haven't seen you in a while, of course, but um, lots has transpired since we last saw you. So, so brother, just want to let you know we're, we're with you. We're really glad to see you. You're such an encouragement. There's my brother Bamu right there. <laughs> Praise God. If you didn't grab one of these, would you raise your hand? We're going to take communion. Just raise your hand so that uh, we can know you forgot again. <laughs> if, you're, if you're brand new, you're totally fine. It's not your fault. But, but Jaime here, no excuse. All right. Now we got you. We got you. <laughs> so we want to take communion. We want to spend a couple of, of minutes just getting ready for that. And I have a question for you. I have a question for you. So for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to try this a little bit different. And, and the question is this. <clears throat> it's a sobering question, but it's, a, it's a, an important one. If today was your last day here on earth, if today was your last day here on earth, are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you ready to meet the Lord? I know as a young person, whenever that question was posed or a similar question like that, uh, man, my, my ears just kind of went up, and I wanted to hear what the pastor was going to say about this, because I wanted to be sure. I understood from an early age that any day could be our last day here on earth. It's the frailty of life. We're mortal. And I wanted to be sure, is there, is there a way to be sure that if I was to die today, and I'm in the presence of God, that he's not going to say, oh, no, 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 yeah, thumbs down. 
And by God's grace, as, as I continued going to church and was exposed to great teachers and the Word of God, um, what a blessing as Christians to be able to have the assurance of salvation, to know. Because I talk to a lot of people, even religious people, when that question comes up, you know what a common answer is? If I ask somebody, are you sure that you're going to heaven? The common answer that I've gotten over the years is, well, nobody can know that. Nobody can know that. I guess we'll find out when we're there. Can you imagine standing in front of the holy, perfect, righteous, eternal, omnipotent God, and you standing there hoping that you did something right so that you can be led into heaven? That's not, that's not a biblical perspective. Let me tell you what a biblical perspective is. John 5, 24. John 5, 24. Why does a Christian dare say, I know that if I was to die today, I will be in the presence of God and he will receive me as a child of his that I am? With no doubt and with total confidence. The answer is found in God's word and his promises and what he has said. So John 5.24, I think, is a very key verse. One of my favorite verses. And so... You'll hear me mention John 5, 24 a lot. This is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. And he says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death unto life. How come Paul, the apostle, is able to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord? How dare he? Did he think he was that good? And that's another reaction you get from people. Wow, you're pretty arrogant to say that, that you know for sure that you're going to heaven. It's not arrogance. And it's not anything that I did of my own to deserve or to earn heaven. But I've surrendered my life to Christ. I am found in Christ. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. He died for me on that cross. And it's based on his sacrifice and his payment for my sin that I am able to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Not what I did, but what he has done. Not for who I am, but for who he is. Stole that from Casting Crowns. You know that song, right? Who am I? It's in the word, beloved. One of the things that I would hope for everybody here who's watching online or ever attends our church is what my pastor used to say for decades. He would tell us, make sure of heaven. Study your Bible. Anybody that knew my pastor Sal knew that that was his saying. Make sure of heaven. Study your Bible. He had other sayings, but I won't share those with you right now. So as we consider the fact that as Christians, we are blessed to have the assurance of salvation based on what Jesus did for us at the cross. And what did he do? Well, first of all, who is he? He is God in the flesh, born of the Virgin Mary, no human father, so he was born without sin, lived the perfect life, and so he was able to offer that perfect, sinless life as a sacrifice and as a payment for all of humanity. And then the Bible says that we're saved by grace through faith, and that's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not through works, lest anyone should boast. Can you imagine anybody in heaven saying, I'm here 
because of what I did. And beloved, all of us would say that. All of us would say that. But in heaven, we're all going to say, I don't deserve to be here. I shouldn't have made it here. And it's only by God's grace that I'm here. And all glory and honor goes to him for all of eternity. As you peel back the plastic, you take the bread, which represents the sinless body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is crucified on our behalf. Let's take that together. As you peel back the second layer, you see the juice, which represents the body, sorry, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was shed on that cross on our behalf. His very life for ours. Let's take that together. Let's pray, and then we're going to have the uh, brothers swing by and pick up your uh, little containers. Gracious Father, thank you so much for this beautiful morning. Thank you for allowing us to be here. What a special time to be able to lift up our voices, to see the brethren, and um, to just focus on you. Holy Spirit, we pray. We know you're here. We know you're all-powerful. And we just ask that you would minister to our minds and our hearts. That as your word goes out, we may be able to receive it with an open mind, an open heart, and a willingness to be doers of your word. Guide us, lead us, teach us. And transform us all for your glory. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So as we're gathering those, I just want to remind you, and I want to continue to encourage you. I don't know how your growth group is going. But uh, I want to encourage you, if, if maybe you kind of fell off the, the growth group wagon there, get back in, all right? We are um, almost approaching the halfway mark of trimester two, and I, I pray that you're being blessed. So what we've been doing, just so you know, is the messages on Sunday morning correlate with the topic or the chapter that we're studying in our growth groups. And today, or for this week, it's chapter 7, if I'm not mistaken, it's love. It's love. And so I'm going to preach on love. The title of this morning's message is Love in Action. Love in Action. And we're going to use 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18 as a basis for, for our message. And I want to share three points from there. So 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Not the Gospel of John, but 1 John. Towards the end of the Bible, chapter 3, and if you read 1 John, you're going to see that, that John, who was the Apostle John, but later on in life, he writes these letters, three of them, and he's writing to the church, to believers, and 1 John especially talks a lot about how do we know we're Christians? What is the evidence that we have been born again, that we belong to God? It's, it's a short book, five chapters. You can read that in about 20 minutes. I would highly encourage you to read the whole thing and just be, pay really close attention to what John has to say. And chapter 3 we pick up, and it's, it's going to talk about love specifically, about love. So my question to you is this. What comes to mind when, I, when you hear the word love? Think about it. 
For some people, you get these fuzzy, warm feelings. Maybe for other people that hear the word love, it's like, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. I've been betrayed by it many times. If you get your theology from current culture or music, what's love got to do with this? What's love but a second hand? What? So how, how do, what's, what's, our, what's our view on love? How do, how do we describe love? How do we know that we are loving? How do we receive love? I don't know about you, but I think love is one of the most powerful forces in, like, in the universe. I mean, think about the things that have been done in the name, at least, in the name of love. The sacrifices. And when you think about what the Bible says about love, it's amazing. I think love is is both a a privilege and a blessing. To be able to love someone is, is such a privilege. And to receive love is such a blessing. I mean, talk about basic human needs to feel loved. And unfortunately for many of us, relationships have not been the greatest. We have been let down by people. Uh, There's been heartache, brokenness. But beloved, what an awesome thing to be able to go to God and understand that not only is is he God and he is love, but he has demonstrated that love to us in a way that is undeniable and in a way that nobody, nobody in this planet who's ever born to this world can can say that they've never experienced love or didn't have an opportunity to experience love. Even the person with the worst of circumstances, and there's some bad circumstances out there, unfortunately, but even that person has the opportunity to go to God, to this loving Father, and experience a love that is supernatural. And I think that's just amazing. I think that's awesome. Um, Love is a wonderful thing. I'll, I'll leave it at that. God's love is, is even better. To love and be loved is an amazing human experience made possible only by our Creator who designed us that way. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe in another time I would have been a little bit of a philosopher because I just love thinking about these things. And they're deep things like... Being able to love someone, being able to experience love, if you have a child, perhaps, if you had that experience of, of having children, I mean, isn't that transformative when you see that little person? And you, you, we, I, I think we get as close to God as possible when it comes to being able to love someone unconditionally. And we get to experience that. And it's only because God designed us that way. God wants us to be loved. And he wants us to love. And so today, love in action, I hope, is a, a, a message that you'll not just find interesting, but know that it's really important, and it's really a call for us onto action. I hope you read chapter 7 in your book. I hope you get together with your group. You ask questions. You share. You pour out a little bit and, and are blessed by being part of this discipleship process that we have going on here at our church. All right? You come to church on Sunday mornings, you are part of a growth group, 
And then I'm really excited that soon we're going to roll out um, a lot of information and opportunities to be in service teams as we collaborate with ministries uh, in our community and even around the world. And that's, that's our three-point process there for discipleship. You come to church and have a wonderful experience with God. You, you get together with, with the brothers in your growth group and you grow and then you serve the world for which, with the gifts which God gave you to impact this world with God's love. And as we do that, I believe God's going to bless us and bring new people that we could disciple then. So we all want to be disciples and we all want to be disciple makers. All right, that's, that's our call. That's our challenge. That's our purpose here at Crosspoint, to glorify God by making disciples and being disciples of Jesus Christ. So let's take a look at 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. And, and um, you know, we all know John 3, 16, but did you know 1 John 3, 16 is also a very special verse. It says, by this we know love, because he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need... And shuts up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Three verses that I think are going to help us consider this idea that love must be put into action. And in fact, love with no action is really not love at all. I'm sure nobody here needs for me to tell you that love is not a feeling, right? Uh, I hope you have wonderful feelings towards the person that you love, but love is not a feeling. And there's so much confusion, so much confusion especially when we're young, right? Um, boy, as, as I say that, I remember fifth grade, sixth grade, wonderful years, intermediate school, yeah? Uh, I, I taught intermediate school for some 11, 12 years. And uh, there was a lot of love going on there, or what kids perceived to be love, and it was a disaster. Um, but a lot of fun to, to witness and counsel through. Um, because we're always going to run out of time, let me just get right to it. Let me get right to it. So uh, point number one is found in the first portion of chapter 3, verse 16, where it says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. So my first point is this. Jesus is the standard of love. So if ever we get confused and it's like, where do I learn about love? How do I know love? How do I learn, research love? Well, go to God and research him. It says, by this we know love. Meaning, as human beings, the only way that we're really able to perceive and understand love is because he laid down his life for us. So John who knew the Lord Jesus Christ personally. In fact, he would call himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. He had a special relationship with Jesus during the Lord's time here on earth. And he says, this is how we know love. And how is it that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us? So John is saying the fact that God became flesh and then he laid his life down for us is really the epitome and the perfect example of love, to lay down his life for us. So that's point number one, the standard of love. And we always want to go back to the standard of love. You know, this idea of, oh, I love you, let's move in together. 
Yeah. So that's like, like the opposite of, of love. Love has to do with you wanting the best for somebody else at your own sacrifice. Not let me take as much from you as I can and call it love. God is so backwards. Love is sacrificing oneself for the betterment of somebody else. And God is the standard of that. So Romans 5.8. Let me share a couple of verses with you that you probably hear me uh, mention several times. And, and maybe the sarcastic in me kind of thought like, man, maybe they think I only know a couple of verses. But I would say, have you memorized it? And have you shared it? So you should never feel like, man, I think he mentions that. He, he, you know, Mike mentions that verse like once every, every week. So maybe you should really pay attention to it. Memorize it and then share it with people. Because it says, Romans 5.8, it says, But God demonstrates his love toward us. Super important. God demonstrates his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's amazing. I'm never going to get tired of mentioning that verse. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And John understood that. He knew who he was. He knew who Peter was. He knew who the disciples were. He knew humanity. And he says, this is love, that he laid down his life for us. Meaning, beloved, I hope we understand that. (laughs) Let's understand that we're never going to understand God's love fully. I mean, I grew up in the church, so I heard, I heard about Jesus dying on the cross for me since, since I can remember. And by God's grace, I've never doubted it. But the way I understood it as a 4-year-old is very different as I understood it as an 8-year-old and a 12-year-old, 16-year-old, 20-year-old, 40-year-old, and now as a 45-year-old. And every time I meditate on this, I'm blown away by it. God demonstrates his love towards me in that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for us. We will never understand that level of sacrifice, ever. We probably come closest to our children once again, right? Like most of us parents would say, like, I would probably die for most of my children. (laughs) Maybe not that one. I don't know. We would probably say, we'll die for our children. And that would be admirable. That would be pretty great. That happens every once in a while, right? We see these heroic things and videos and, and stories. But what God did for us is in a whole, complete different level. See, if I were to die for you, that'd be great. But this is just a human dying for another human. We're talking about God in the flesh, the holy, perfect, eternal God willing to die for us, not because we were good or worthy, but while we were yet sinners, enemies of God, dead spiritually, he was willing to die for us. A painful and shameful death, as bad as it gets. I can't understand that. I believe it and I accept it by faith and I'm grateful for that. But that's why 1 Corinthians 1.18 says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. People can't understand that with their human mind. And, beloved, so blessed to be named among those whom the Holy Spirit has given understanding and faith to believe this. John 3.16. Well, I think I memorized this verse from 
It's probably one of the first verses most of us memorized. For God so loved the world. God the Father loved so much this world that he gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm working on understanding that more and more. Let me share one more verse because we're talking about God being the standard of love when John says, by this we know love because he laid down his love for us, his life for us. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified together with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And listen to the second part of this verse. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I love how Paul takes it and personalizes it. And believe I, believe, I believe I became a Christian right around age 13, even though I grew up in the church, and I never doubted that Jesus died on the cross and that he loved the world, but I really believe my life was transformed, and not perfectly, we're still working on that, the Lord is. But when I understood that Jesus didn't just die for the world, but Jesus hung on that cross naked after having been brutally beaten for me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that Mike would have an opportunity to see his sins forgiven and receive eternal life. You have to personalize that. Paul did. Speaking of Jesus, he says, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not enough to know that Jesus died 2,000 years ago. You need to know that he died for you. And when you feel Satan coming in and saying, like, that can't be true because you ain't worthy. You say, yeah, you're right, I'm not worthy. But it's never been about our worthiness. It's been, always been about his grace and his love. All right. Well, we could just end there and just meditate on the fact that God is the standard of love. But I have two more points. So point number two is... Not only is God the standard of love, but we want to take a look at the charge to love. And it's in the second portion of that first verse in 1 John 3.16. The second portion of that verse says, And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So here's John writing to the church, to believers, and he says, Boy, the only reason we know God is because, we, the only reason we know love is because God loved us and he gave himself for us. But then he says, and therefore, because that is the case, and because we know love as children of God, we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. He's giving them this charge, this command to love one another as God has loved us through Christ. And that's where we come in. So it's not enough to just say like, oh, Jesus loves me. And yes, he does. But then Jesus also says, now you need to take that love and love the brethren. And as I was researching, I, I came across, I forgot now where I saw this, but this idea of we say like, oh, I love the brethren. It's the people at church I just can't stand. We've got to talk if that's the case, if that's the case. You can't say you love the church, you love the bride of Christ, 
You can't even say you love the Lord and not love the brethren. And not the brethren way out there. And I'm so glad that we have Brother Bamu from, from Africa. From around the world. Like how awesome it is that no matter where you go, you're going to find other believers that you can express and receive love. It's amazing. But the charge to love. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. What does that look like? And if I were to ask you, are you laying down your life for the brethren? You're like, I don't even know what brethren means. <laughs> for the brothers and sisters, for other Christians. Are you laying down your life for them? What? No. I'm too busy like living my life. How could I lay it down for anybody else? Ain't nobody got time for that. Right? Who's got time for that? Our lives are supposed to be very different, beloved. In case you haven't noticed, disciples of Christ, our lives are to be very different. John chapter 13. I want to hurry up because I have something to share with you at the end as well. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, towards the end of chapter 13. If you remember what happened at the beginning of chapter 13 of John, the Lord Jesus Christ is, right, is, is, is going to be betrayed. And one of the things that he does in the upper room as he's having... Uh, uh, the Last Supper with his disciples, he gives him this one last lesson where he, he gets ready and he washes his disciples' feet. He takes the position of the lowliest servant and he washes their feet. And then he says, as I've done, you need to do also. And then that's the context of these verses 34 and 35. And he says, the Lord speaking, a new commandment I give you that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love. Love expressed for one another is how people in the world are going to know that we are truly the Lord's disciples. So you can... Have the biggest Bible and carry it under your arm and you could learn all the verses and you could go to church and never miss and you could do all the homework and you could read all the books. And Paul says, but if you have not love, you're nothing. And everything you do is nothing. What? But I've worked at being an exemplary Christian all my life. He doesn't want us to be an exemplary. He wants us to enjoy our relationship with him. And of course, as we do that and become more Christ-like, people in the outside world are going to be like, that person is so strange. What's up with that person? And you'll be able to say, hopefully somebody else is like, I think he's like a disciple of Jesus or something. But if people aren't saying about that, let's start here. Let's begin to laid down our lives for the brothers and the sisters and see what God has in store for us. As we lay down our lives and we love one another, the world would know that we are his disciples. Listen to Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Paul says, let love be without hypocrisy. Why would, love, why would Paul kill it like that? He's writing to a church he's never met, Christians in Rome, and then he says, let love be without hypocrisy. How insulting. Can love be with hypocrisy in the church? 
That's the only reason why he would write that. Hypocrisy in the church? Acting like you love people? Paul says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. That's how Paul is telling the Christians in Rome how they should live out their lives. With no hypocrisy, with true love, clinging to what is good, being kindly affectionate with one another. How many of you guys have trouble being kindly affectionate to others? Most of us are probably thinking like, I don't know if anybody's ever been kindly affectionate to me. I don't even know how that looks, feels. How am I going to be kindly affectionate to one? Let's go back to what God has done for us. He has been more than kindly affectionate to us. And this is a charge that Paul has for Christians. Be kindly affectionate to one another in honor, giving preference to one another. And you know I'm going to read Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Paul says, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interest, but also for the interests of others. Are you looking out for the interests of others? Mercy Me has a phrase in one of their songs that says, uh, how can I further your kingdom when I'm so caught up in mine? How can I be kindly affectionate? How can I esteem others? How can I do this if I'm so selfish and self-centered and it's all about me? And that is completely contrary to how God wants us to live our Christian life. Will we ever do it perfectly? No. But that is the standard. God is that standard. And he charges us with the same type of attitude and love and action. So the standard of love is God, the charge to love. And let me end with this third point, the test of love. The test of love. Do I love other people? 1 John 3, 17 and 18, which we read, it says, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? John is saying, look, if, if you claim to be a Christian, you have something that somebody else can use. They need it, and you have it, and you shut up your heart. You close your heart. You intentionally say, I should, I could, but I won't. John says, how can you say you're a Christian? How can you say you're a disciple of Christ? How can you say you're a follower of Christ? How can you say that he's your Lord and that you've experienced a new birth? James 2, 14 through 17 says something very similar. And James was a half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and be filled. But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. James is saying through all his letter, if you claim to be a Christian, there should be evidence in your life that you are a Christian. 
So in this last minute, well, let me read to you Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 and 15. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Do not use that liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Use this liberty, this new life, to bless others, to love one another. So how can I show love to other Christians is the big question. I'll make it real easy for you. I would say start here at Crosspoint. Don't be limited to Crosspoint, but start here at Crosspoint, beloved. I'm so grateful for the people that I see and know are laying down their lives for the brethren. I think of the elders of this church. Six men that, have, that, that pour into this church time, effort, so much that give of themselves. The deacons in our church. Our growth group leaders, our worship team, our AV team, our welcoming team, our prayer team, the ushers, the setup and teardown team, people in CP Kids, in the nursery, in childcare, the youth group leaders, women's group, our groundskeeper, our food distribution people. And I know I left some people out, so I'm sorry. Missions, communications, Bible Bowl. There was an article about Bible Bowl. I see you putting your life for others, and it's encouraging to me. It's encouraging. It's uplifting. It's awesome to see God working in you. So I would say start here. Because not only do we want you to come on a Sunday morning, not only do we want you to commit to growth in, in growth groups, but we also want you to be involved in the ministry of the Lord, in God's kingdom, in the work. And it's an awesome place to start here. And there's room for all of us to do something. Don't assume that because something gets done, they don't need help. I can assure you, just about everybody in every group that I mentioned right now could use more members. Don't sit on the sidelines. Get involved, and you're going to see that as you give unto others and you serve people, the one that is truly being blessed is yourself more than anybody else. So keep that in mind, beloved. Love in action. Love in action. If ever you're thinking, like, I want to do something. I know the Lord has called me to do something. I don't know what. Come see me. Drop me an email, a text. Let's talk. And let's get you plugged in serving in this church somewhere. And then as time goes on with our service teams, we're going to connect with groups and teams so that we can go out past these four walls and impact, God's, impact this world with God's love for his glory. So I'm excited about that. This is a journey that as Crosspoint family we are in together, and we want to make the best out of it. But we need to see love in action. Let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you for allowing us again this morning. Thank you for this time, and thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, our prayer is that as we are exposed to these truths found in your word, that you would stir up in us that desire and that willingness to serve you. We may not know how, and we may not do it perfectly, but we want to serve you as our Lord. We want to serve the brethren as you command us. 
We want to strive to, to perfection as you are the model of what love in action looks like. So we pray for your help. We thank you for your blessings, and we ask that you would dismiss us with your blessing, Father. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful and mighty name. Amen. We have a prayer team ready to pray with you. If you want, just kind of come up here. You'll be met with someone. God bless you.